0: Welcome to NFP's Insights from the Experts podcast. Each episode showcases timely expertise and perspective from members of the NFP community, delivering information, analysis, and solutions that address our clients' most significant challenges.
1: Well, thanks everybody and uh, welcome to another exciting edition of Insights from the Experts. This is Mark Ryder, NFP's Head of Innovation, and I'm joined today by Jason Hellickson, CEO at Regenex. Thanks for uh, taking the time today, Jason. Absolutely happy I'm here, Mark. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so, so really excited uh, for those of you and Jason. Just so, so you're aware, um, inside of the experts, what we try to do here from an innovation perspective is bring folks to the table that we've been working with and talking through over to over the years from an innovation lab perspective and give them an opportunity to, uh, to tell their story. Um, and when we've been in discussions now, what feels like a couple of years, you have participated in a few of our, our um, uh, conferences around the country. So really excited to, uh, to have this chat with you and, and hopefully get some more exposure to Regenix, Cause I think what you're doing is, is pretty cool, but let's start out with, uh, we'd like to get to, to know a little bit about the people before we, get, we talk about the company behind them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, so let's, let's talk a little bit about Jason. Can you give us a little bit of a background on, you know, what your story is and how you came to be the CEO at Regenex?
0: Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of a little great story. I call myself a recovering insurance broker. Um, when I, <laughs> yeah, when I do those, uh, uh, different, uh, webinars or seminars across the country with brokers, it's, uh. I'm supposed to I'm trying to get a laugh, but seriously speaking, it is the, the story behind the Regenexx corporate program. Um, I was the chief operating officer of a large regional broker for, and I was there for roughly 22 years. I retired from there in 2012. So how do I go from that to CEO of Regenexx corporate? It's really the story of how we started the corporate program. Uh, in 2008, I had shoulder surgery on my right shoulder, played football and baseball in college, have a number of orthopedic issues. Wouldn't good outcome? Wouldn't wish that surgery on my worst enemy just because of the recovery time and pain associated with it. Um, fast forward to twelve, start doing more triathlons. Left shoulder started p- bothering me the same way. I was also uh, avoiding a spinal fusion uh, between my L four and L five uh, for roughly twenty years using physical therapy and chiropractic huh. care. Anyway, go to the surgeon. Same orthopedic issues or pathology: torn rotator, torn labrum. And, uh, you know, I indicated to the surgeon I didn't want to go through surgery again. Plus, I had a couple upcoming events. His uh, pathway was opioid prescription and cortisone shots to get me through that season. That just led, yeah, uh, that led me to um, looking for alternatives. And, you know, uh, lo and behold, after a great deal of research, uh, I had the regenix procedures done. I had three procedures done the same day, Mark. Um, one for my shoulder one for my lower back, uh, the spinal fusion, and then I was also having plantar fasciitis uh, for about a year and a half in my left heel on and off. All three treatments done the same day. Um, uh, Quite honestly, I walked in there optimistic or hopeful, but a little bit of skepticism in my mind. Eight weeks later, I was swimming again. I was dumbfounded by the amount of pain I was in prior to the procedure on my lower back because I didn't know that until I wasn't not in pain. And my plantar fasciitis has been been gone ever since, uh, five years post-de facto. I haven't seen a chiropractor or physical therapist since uh, my lower back. My left shoulder is better than my right shoulder. So how did the corporate program start and how did I become CEO of Regenexx Corporate? Um, I shared my story with one a couple of my past clients about eight weeks after my procedure. And long story short, they asked me to work with their legal and HR team to determine whether these could be added to their self-funded health plan. Uh, and I'll ex- I can explain why it wasn't covered to begin with. Uh, and not only did we decide that it could, but it should. So we piloted it, it uh, for those two companies on 1-1-2015. Um, and now we have over 300 clients across the country, over 6 million covered corporate lives. And we're working with virtually every TPA and ASO uh, and every independent stop loss providers mirroring the amendment, which I can explain that, you know, how to actually transact this um adding Regenexx as we progress, but that's, yeah, that's the story. Uh, I'm very passionate about uh, transforming healthcare, and this happens to be a significant spend within healthcare, and uh, I think we're doing that, so um, that's the background.
1: That's a good story. That's a good story. I mean, my wife, my wife beats me up for how crazy I am and getting out there and getting at it. But it sounds like you, uh, you did me one up. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like you're a madman. So, uh, we'll have to have another conversation about all those, uh, the baseball and the, and the, uh, and the competitions, because that sounds pretty cool. But, but for today, we'll stick with Regenex, but so, so Regenex prior to bringing it into the corporate side. Yeah. Um, so regenix, how, how did you wind up finding it as an individual option to begin with? And, and so was it yeah. um, a, a platform, <clears throat> excuse me, that was just out there and, and individuals were being direct, you know, could ultimately search and find this as an option? Or were there certain doctors that were that gravitated towards this type of procedure? Or give a little bit. Yeah. There, yeah. So
0: curious. the industry, a lot of people term the industry stem cell therapy. Um, that is one of the orthobiologics that we use, but that's the, the quote unquote field. We, we like to call it interventional orthopedics, uh, very similar to interventional cardiology. I can explain that later, but how did Regenics get started? It got started in 2005. Actually the advent of it, the research behind it started, started at Colorado State University. Uh, interesting story there. If you're familiar with Colorado State University, it's really kind of the world's headquarters for equine, uh, research. And if you remember horses 20, 30 years ago, if they had an orthopedic issue, they were put down. Not anymore today. Uh, This work was done in the 90s at Colorado State University. Chris Centeno, our founder, uh, was very connected to Colorado State University and started doing this on uh, humans in uh, in 2005. He's actually the world creator of the use of uh, stem cells and orthobiologics for orthopedic conditions in the world. So That's how it got started. People got wind of what he was doing. He was tracking the outcomes of all of his patients. He didn't want to do any of these types of procedures. It's a needle-based procedure. He did not want to do any of these procedures without knowing the outcome. Uh, So we've been tracking the outcomes ever since 2005. Um, So people started hearing about it and physicians that would be what I would call interventional pain physicians uh, started paying attention to him and Uh, reaching out to him to try to replicate what he was doing across the United States. Long story short, in 2010, he started a network. Uh, Now today, we've got 75 clinics across the country, over 100 physicians, medical doctors that do these procedures across the country. Uh, And is different in this field, and I'll be able to explain that, I'm sure, as our uh, discussion progresses. But, uh, yeah, that's how it got started. I, quite frankly, just Googled alternatives to surgery and a number of things came up. Uh, I did a, ba- a very uh, deep dive into uh, those different alternatives, and found out that Regenix, i call it research-based and outcomes-monitored—was significantly different than any any other place in the market, and that's that's what led me there.
1: Awesome, awesome. So, what does Regenexx look like today from a corporate structure perspective? It sounds like you you took it from a you know into the group space, so to speak. Yeah. Um. I think you just said it it might have been fifteen, but what's it look like today? Offices around the country, uh, corporate staff. What's what's that construct?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the so from a big picture perspective, Regenexx. Uh, has a number of different uh, uh, assets, if you will, Uh, a research asset. So we own IP, right? We've got over 17 patents of our either products or processes. Um, Then we've got a research lab in Colorado, uh, in Colorado, in Broomfield, Colorado. That's where that headquarters is at. Then our corporate headquarters for the corporate program is in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, then we also own uh, a couple clinics and then most of the clinics are affiliate clinics. So there's roughly 75 clinics across the country that are actually locally owned by the physician, um, but they are uh, trained in the Regenex procedures. We have over a hundred different procedures that they're trained in. Um, and then that's the network that I use to, in essence, bring this solution uh, to corporations. Um, if you look at our patient flow, Uh, You know, back in 2014, it was all private pay patients that came through the Regenexx network, and that network was much smaller then than it is now. We probably will probably double within the next two years, so that's kind of the pathway we're on. And uh, we're probably, you know, upwards of 50 percent of uh, total procedures across our network now within the corporate program. So uh, it's been a very big driver to our growth, and uh, should be a big driver to our growth going forward. Did that help answer your question?
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, it, it's just good to know how what the structure is. And so sure. you're, you're partnering with physicians that are that are uh, incorporating this into their practice. Is basically a, a lot of the way that the, the procedure being completed. So let's talk about those procedures and exactly the steps that mm-hmm. you know the physicians or your 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 physicians take. Yeah. Um, with the process what is the process per se? and we're talking a little bit about stem cell but maybe we can dive a little bit deeper into that and then ultimately i'd want to want to take a next step of talking about you know employers you know how how what that prototypical employer looks like that's interested in a tool like this are they digging into their claims are you helping them in doing this or is it just a Something think it's on to the plant. So a lot to unbundle there, but let's just start with what the, the procedure itself.
0: Yeah, let me do that real quick. And to, to preface that, you know, what we call it is interventional orthopedics. So what is interventional orthopedics? It's a less invasive needle-based procedure using orthobiologics. Orthobiologics are, in the in our form, at, in, within Regenex, we use four main orthobiologics that are basically natural healing cells from your own body. Uh, distributed to the injured area, and I'll explain how that works in just a moment. But the orthobiologics that we use are uh, mesenchymal stem cells derived from the bone marrow, uh, blood platelets, uh, cytokine rich serums, uh, and extracellular matrices that are uh, discovered within those two main um, uh, cellular uh, areas, the, the bone marrow or the blood. Uh, those form, um, from a macro sense, we have roughly a hundred different protocols from those orthobiologic logics. Call it a um, uh, your cellular prescription, if you will, for the type of pathology and injury that you have. Um, so that's 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 the precursor. The doctors that do everything that we do are medical doctors. They're interventional. They come from the background of uh, orthopedic surgeons, interventional pain. Uh, physiatrists, uh, anesthesiologists, et cetera, anybody that's very good with needle-based procedures. The procedures themselves really start um, from an eval perspective, right? So we spend, to give you an example, you know, when I had my shoulder surgery looked at by the surgeon, he spent roughly 10 to 15 minutes with me, basically looked at a radiology report and said I needed surgery. I didn't really move my shoulder. um, And, fast forward to my Regenex consultation which is what we do across the country it's a medical, medical doctor highly skilled medical doctor but it's an hour long consultation with uh, the medical doctor so from a patient perspective we're not only looking at static imaging but we're looking at live imaging to verify that the you know the damaged tissue is symptomatic to the condition uh, that they're complaining about Um, From there, we go on to whether they're a good candidate for our procedures or not. That's a critical part for the corporate program. Not everybody's a good candidate for the Regenexx procedure. So we identify those that are or are not at the evaluation stage so that we're not over treating or mistreating. I can explain that in greater detail, but the procedures themselves are important, right? From a patient perspective, about 70% of what we do, Mark, is a one-day procedure, um, which is a blood draw in the morning. That then goes into our laboratory where the orthobiologic is developed for that pathology and that joint condition, and then a reinjection happens that afternoon. To give you an example, on my shoulder, they did inject that from 13 different locations at 13 different angles at 13 different depths to get the right orthobiologics right onto the injured tissue using ultrasound. So it's a very highly skilled procedure as well. and those orthobiologics differed by each each uh, injection as well. Uh, also, just as a backdrop, everything that we do is a local anesthetic. So there is no general anesthesia use. So you don't have that risks associated with our procedures. It also tells you it's a, a, obviously a lot less invasive. Um, so that's about 70% of what we do. About 30% of what we do is a stem cell treatment protocol, which is a three-day treatment protocol uh, that's been developed at Regenex since 2005 and, and continually improved upon. That starts with prolotherapy uh, on day one. That's basically an injection of sugar water into the joint. I kind of I'm from Iowa, so I call that um, tilling the soil, if you will, to preparing that joint to receive the seeds, if you will, which are three to four days after the prolotherapy appointment. And that's where the morning we start with a blood draw or a bone marrow aspiration. Um, sounds sounds painful, but it's about a one to two. It's more uncomfortable. Again, local anesthetic. Same process goes into our laboratory, um, same protocols developed by pathology and joint, then the reinjection happens uh, that afternoon. Um, That's really planting the seed. Then two to three days later, uh, we'll do the same platelet procedure that I explained uh, before as a kind of a fertilizer, if you will, to that seed. And that's for more chronic conditions. We use the stem cell treatment protocol for you know uh, people trying to avoid joint replacement, which about 70% of people can avoid knee replacement using Regenexx, just to give you an example. So that's really the process. The recovery time is much faster, obviously less invasive. Uh, so, um, well, let me just kind of, if you don't mind, kind of explain how it works, because the recovery time kind of ties to how you break a bone. So when you break a bone, Yeah, that would be great. The surgeon's not sewing that bone back together, right? So why does the bone heal on on its own versus cartilage, ligament, tendon, etc.? The reason is the bone has bone marrow and bone marrow has mesenchymal stem cells. They're immediately on the accident scene. And outside of the bone uh, is a vascular system. So you've got access to blood platelets. That's really how the bone can heal on its own. And it's why orthopedic surgery was invented is tendon, ligament, and cartilage don't have bone marrow. So they don't have access to mesenchymal stem cells that are multi potent cells that differentiate into orthopedic tissue. And then the joints are avascular. So that's really why orthopedic surgery was invented. And that's really what we're doing at a very, you know, much more intimate, detailed way. But that's what we're doing is bringing those healing agents too. So going back to the recovery time, you know, generally when you break a bone, it's in a cast for six weeks. Right, they take it off, and then it's got to you know, then it's healed. But you've got to you know get your muscle tone back and all of that kind of thing. Very similar to our process of healing. It's generally the the uh, the main healing area is that first six weeks. To give you an example, I was moving my shoulder, you know, on the Monday after the Friday procedure. Right, I was wasn't didn't have to sleep in a chair like I did with my shoulder surgery. Um, I was moving I was doing certain things. I wasn't very active. I couldn't swim. But eight weeks later, I was swimming. So I was basically full release eight weeks after. Compare that to my surgical encounter. It took me over a year to swim again. So that's, it's much faster recovery time and it's it's basically natural healing versus, you know, an invasive uh, approach
1: that's that's uh that's pretty incredible I, a couple of questions on a couple of things that you mentioned there that i just uh i jotted down so the physicians that are um are utilizing this procedure with their customer uh, their mm-hmm. patients should i say you you mentioned that most of them came from the orthopedic side and surgeons or whatever it would be what well, in most cases this obviously i would imagine becomes a place in the place that they shift their practice yeah. to not an option, one way or the other. Was it just physicians that felt there must be a better way, um, and were frustrated with just everything every time going under the knife, or what? 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 I, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but yeah, how do you think that's you there, know right? that's
0: one area you know. And I you know I don't want to put I won't share a name, but a number of orthopedic surgeons that converted to X really felt that they were committing malpractice. Right? There were better options. There was. Uh, much less harm they could do for the actual procedure themselves. Um, but to that note, you know, the most of the folks that become a Regenix physician were in the interventional pain arena where they did cortisone shots, etc. And as we know today, cortisone shots actually degrade the, the joint tissue and are not helpful. And Regenix yeah. is it's actually, you know, beneficial to the joint. So that's where. The vast majority of the physicians come to us. But again, we've got physicians from all of those groups that I shared earlier. Um, and yes, they are looking for a better way. And thankfully, they're finding Regenex. And, you know, I, you know, the future really holds. And COVID is a good example, right? I mean, we're, we're helping people um, get the, you know, the antibody from another person that had it. It's basically cellular health is what I call it. And I think cellular health in America is at its infancy stage. Regenex just happens to be doing this since 2005. But I think it's a big part of the medical uh, future is cellular health, helping the body heal on its own. For sure. For sure.
1: We had a conversation um, a few uh, podcasts ago uh, as it it pertained to genomics, but kind of in that same same line around personalization. Of of healthcare. Um, The other question I had off of your uh, chat a little earlier ago was about who is a good candidate versus
0: somebody that may not be a good candidate. What's what goes into that, and what makes somebody uh, you know fall into one category? Yeah, great question from a patient perspective, and something that I think is very unique to Regenexx is that process that we go through. So um, from a macro sense, when you look at our registry, which has over you know 30,000, well, actually, I think it's 60,000 folks inside of our registry that we're monitoring their outcomes on now. When you look at that, um, roughly 70% of those were good candidates for our procedure and roughly 30% were not. So of that 30% that were not good candidates, they fall into three buckets, Mark. One I would call a pharmaceutical bucket. One I would call a chronic bucket. Bucket, and one I would call an acute bucket. So the pharmaceutical bucket, we we um, count on natural healing. Natural healing includes inflammation, right? So when, so one, you know, this have this as a takeaway for everybody on this call or listening to this. If you have an acute acute uh, Achilles tendon, you know, um, not just a pull or a ankle sprain. Don't take ibuprofen within the first week, right? You need that inflammation. That's what starts the healing process. So, if somebody's on a satin and they can't get off a satin for a period of, you know, anywhere between two to six weeks, then they're not a good candidate for our procedure, right? Because that satin or any type of anti-inflammatory that they can't get off of diminishes the healing. So we don't we don't do those procedures on those folks. Uh, the second category would be the chronic category. So there's folks about. Um, 70% of folks that come to us for knee replacement, we they're good candidates. Their, their knee is not too far gone, if you will. Um, and about 30% we refer on to knee replacement because their knee is too far gone. We can't get ahead of the degeneration that's happening. Um, to give you an example, about 30% of the folks that come to us for hip replacement are good candidates. About 70%, when they get to that stage of of considering hip replacement, they're too far gone. So um, that really is the chronic condition when they're too far gone. The acute condition really boils down to like an ACL, about 95% of knee ACL tears are partial tears, not a full thickness retracted tear. So we can treat all of those partial tears, the full thickness retraction tear we cannot treat. So between those three groups, um, that really makes up the folks that are not good candidates for our procedures.
1: As it relates to ACL, because I think that you have a lot of people that can always think about somebody, whether it be a relative of theirs or a friend of theirs that have torn an ACL or partially turned, to your point. How quickly do you wind up knowing whether or not the procedure took, so to speak, is the phrase I'll use. Um, So as they're thinking of, I need to get back and and move, and I have this potential, like my doctor told me I should be having surgery but I'm not really a fan of that. I don't want to go under the knife. Um, Let me give this as a first step option, which I'm assuming is, you know, kind of your mindset, right? Let's try the, maybe the first step is therapy, but in an ACL, they can kind of see this torn. Then you're coming down to your, your path. How long would they have to go to say, okay, this didn't work. Uh, I'm, I'm moving on whether or not that's the case. And I'm just curious. Yeah. You hit
0: on it. Kind of yeah, you hit on a great points. I'll hit that timeline in just a moment. But the orthopedic care continuum is really broken. That's what we're we're kind of the bridge between uh, physical therapy and surgery, right? We should be something that's considered in every orthopedic case in between the two. It shouldn't be a jump to surgery. Uh, that being said, you know, when we do treat uh, ACLs, uh, typically it's that six-week period, right? You know within that six weeks whether that procedure uh, is becoming effective. Now, natural healing takes, you know, that six weeks, plus it actually occurs even up to a year after. So, you know, we we also have folks, um, you know, take their time. Um, That being said, they're still active during that process, right? Um, Just to give you a precursor, you know, from an evidence base, we've got a randomized control trial that concludes that our knee ACL procedure heals the ACL, Right. When you compare that to a knee ACL randomized Mm -hmm. control trial, it actually concludes that it's no better than placebo, which is physical therapy. So just, you know, as a backdrop from an evidence base, that's the case. But from a healing period, you know, within that first six weeks or so, whether that took or not. Um, And the vast, vast percentage of folks, in fact, I think it's 90 within our randomized control trial. Don't quote me on this one, but it's in that uh, 85 to 95 percent of folks uh, uh, reached minimally clinical improvement differential. Um, So that's a successful procedure on our uh, randomized control trial. Got
1: it. That's a good segue, I think, and um, talking about this procedure being added Mm -hmm. to a health plan or being a part of of an option from a health plan perspective. Um, can you can you talk to our audience a little bit about that? And, and you know, I think in some some of the platforms that we bring um, you know, through the lab, they're focused on uh, chronic conditions um, and management of those conditions. And and in order for an employer to determine whether or not it makes sense for them to engage with the platform or the product, there's some claims analysis done, right? And they're looking at the population. They're sitting there saying, "Okay, you have a high." um, diabetic population or digestive, you know, the drugs that are taking or are, are suggesting that there's folks in there with digestive issues. And then you go and find a point solution to bring in, to help manage that solution. Yours, I would imagine it's not really looking at the claims base because any particular day somebody could go out and, um, and, and randomly, you know, again, right. an ACL, etc. but it's probably more just about, Hey, look at your costs, um, and although this doesn't mean you're you know necessarily going to have other folks in this category moving forward, with the big surgery, is a big chunk and a big spend. So now I decide I'm going to move forward and I want to put alternatives in the right into my plan that can help me bring that down. And I'm assuming not just the cost of the, the procedures versus what uh, a, a procedure within Regenexx would be, but also, I mean, you hit on a on something earlier. Uh, way way back when well, I think when you came into this, your doctor was uh, thinking about prescribing right. you know opioids or or uh, you know getting injections. I mean that that's the the root cause of a lot of problems uh, out there and addictions and whatnot. So can you can you talk about that overall mindset of folks that are engaging yeah. in things that they're looking at um, to Absolutely. help them make that So
0: you know one. Your your point on what brokers should be doing, I think you guys are doing the right things. You're looking at intervention strategies to address uh, specific conditions that are that are increasing the trajectory of overall healthcare expense, right? So, looking at those point solutions as intervention strategies to address that particular condition to change that trajectory is critical. We happen to be in the orthopedic area, a top five major diagnostic category virtually in every self-funded health plan or in every health plan across the United States. And orthopedic uh, conditions are the fastest growing of that top five major diagnostic category. So when you look at the macro sense, roughly 20 percent of every employer's health care spend uh, comes from ortho- elective orthopedic surgeries. Right. And so, um And when you look at our intervention opportunity, as I pointed out earlier, we can intervene on roughly 70% of orthopedic surgeries. And when we intervene, it's roughly a 70% savings, right? So the math becomes fairly simple on the potential impact that Regenexx can have to a self-funded health plan. You take the health spend by times 0.2, then we can intervene on 70% of that case, right? So you take that times 0.7. And we save roughly 70 percent when we intervene and offer a better solution on top of that, where the employees actually view it as an added benefit. So it's a 70 percent savings. It's it really ends up being roughly a 10 percent savings to the overall healthcare spend when you do that math. And it's not just day one. It's every year. That's the spend. So it's it's a it's impacting that every year. And there is no cost to add Regenexx to a self-funded health plan. It's a simple amendment to the SPD with a mirroring by the stop-loss provider. So, you know that's the that's that's the value pitch, if you will, of why you would do it. From here.
1: yeah. Well, and to my point earlier, a little bit, Jason. If if you're looking at your claims the last two years and you didn't have a high. Um, you know, if your claims around orthopedic surgery were not, you know, in the top four, three or five, that doesn't mean they won't be tomorrow. Meaning if you just might've been lucky, these are claims that are are out there. And if you look at the average employer or the population in general, they're going to be um, at some point. Yes. It's very
0: episodical. You know, orthopedic care is very episodical. So yeah, it does vary by year, but from a macro sense, you can pretty much count on, over a five-year span, of roughly 20% of yeah. healthcare spend is going to be elective orthopedic surgeries. Gotcha, gotcha.
1: And so, and so, talk to me a little bit about, and just give sure. me some some napkin math. Um, you know, we're coming up on some then time. I'd love to get into some of the numbers. If you can just give a real rough estimate on on that save, uh, maybe even compare yeah. what a, an average procedure would be. And we know these procedures vary all over the country from a surgical perspective. So um, again, the, the, sure. not to quote you here, uh, just give us a, give us a, some napkin math so people can realize the potential savings there. And I think, listen, there are so many questions we could keep going down a variety of, of paths here in this conversation. And I'm sure other people's brains are, are uh, churning as well on the other end of this uh, that are listening to the podcast. So once we take it back here, Maybe we'll just get uh, have you give us some follow up information about how they can get in touch with you and, and any opportunities they can have they have out there. Maybe there's other webinars you're doing to help uh, help learn more about regenics. But let's start sure. with yeah. Let math, me give you an example. You so our are,
0: are the pro- the uh, procedure cost for a regenics procedure ranges from two thousand to nine thousand. Uh, our average, when you do all the procedures and divide that the total cost by, you know, the number of procedures, it's roughly $4,500 is our average cost. The average cost of an orthopedic surgery in the United States ranges from 25,000 to 35,000, you know, give you some specific examples. My shoulder surgery cost $45,000 on the health plan. I was in charge of the health plan. I know what the cost was that did not include my physical therapy. My procedure for the three procedures done the same day was $4,500, right? So those are great examples. My spinal fusion, you know, that can range between eighty to to 100000 and it's, you know, got all kinds of complications. Uh, we're doing the, that kind of work. The average cost of a spinal uh, procedure at Regenix is roughly $4,500. So, you know, it is significant savings um, to the health plan regardless. Uh, that said... We are now monitoring the surgery uh, we are replacing and the cost of that in-network rate by employer. Uh, We started this uh, effective this year. And so we'll be able to report back to every employer what their surgical cost would have been and what our cost was. So uh, we are seeing at the early stage um, of that ranges between you know, 70, well, 65 all the way up to 85% savings uh, over what the surgical spend would have been. So that gives you some of the math. Um, you know, uh, we're happy to work through any case with anybody. Um, you know, really where I would lead people to is I am doing some webinars. Uh, you should be able to find those on my LinkedIn page. Uh, Jason Hellickson, uh CEO of GenX Corporate. Uh, also, if you, if you just want to get on the phone with me, feel free. My number is 319-899-4332. Email is probably the best way to get a hold of me or get on my schedule. And I'll give you my email. It is jhellickson at regenx.com. It's J-H-E-L-L-I-C-K-S-O-N at Regenexx, R-E-G-E-N-E-X-X.com. Um, I'm just, you know, we're... My purpose is to bring this to every self-funded employer in the United States to allow their employees a choice and care that they wouldn't have otherwise, and it creates a win-win for the employer and the employee. And, you know, I really want to do this and am doing this with the trust their trusted partner, which is the brokers. And I think, you know, brokers, it's really due upon the brokerage world to look for these kind of intervention strategies and proactively bring them to their clients. And we're here, we're here to help serve the brokers in doing so. Yeah. And hey, one thing just to bring to the audience,
1: and I think I was sitting here and I'm hearing these numbers and I'm saying, well, why would this not be more of an option built into every health plan? And I guess it just has this to come back to it's something new, right? It's alternative that people haven't. And sometimes by default, and the fact that they roll, they lean back on the fully insured carriers and they model their plans off of what those programs have allowed or are allowing. Um it sounds like you know, the roadmap is you're having some uh luck on that side. Is that is that accurate for folks who are out there saying, oh, is this just something that folks that are really into alternative care want to put in? But it sounds like it's becoming more mainstream and and as evident some of the work you're doing with Yeah, insured absolutely. You know, well. I mean just correct? to be
0: just to be frank on it, Genex is the only orthopedic provider in this space of what we call interventional orthopedics or orthobiologics, people call stem cell therapy that can truly be added to a self-funded health plan because we pass the five-part investigational test. We've been proven safe, we've been proven effective, we've got a regulatory pathway, we're prevailing enough to serve, and we've got a standard of care model. Um, That five-point test is important because the fully funded marketplace is now piloting RegenX uh, in various areas across the country. Um, We've got NDAs, so I can't share the names, but we are being piloted on a number of uh, fully funded plans for specific conditions. Uh, And On some of the smaller uh, healthcare plans, we've been added to their level-funded self-insured option as well. So um, that will continue to grow. I'm certain of that. Um, The difficulty is the industry, as we sit inside of it, even though we're the world leader in it, we still sit inside of an industry that, candidly, should be considered investigational because there's a lot of bad actors in this field that are doing treating blindness, treating uh, hair hair loss, you know, that just shouldn't be happening. So Regenexx doesn't do that. Um, that's really the learning that that's what has to happen at the employer level is I've got to get them through, you know, why is the industry considered investigational and you know, why isn't Regenexx? And that's really the process and the pathway we're on. We're gonna be on that pathway for, I would probably tell you five to seven years in this evidence-based medicine world. Um, but we're we're happy to do that, and it's it's making a difference for for people's lives, and that's really the most important part.
1: Awesome, awesome, Jason. Well, hopefully, this is uh, a, yeah. you know our part in helping you tell the story and get the audience, and, and helping to change, change shift things a little bit because I think. Um, too many of us know folks that have uh, struggled through surgeries and uh, to find some alternatives and to think a new ways is certainly what yeah. we're trying to uh, help promote here. So again, uh, thank you very much. Um, and again, anybody wants to get in touch with Jason, uh, look him up on LinkedIn. It's Jason Hellickson. Uh, look up Regenex. And there's some com- um, some webinars that he's doing upcoming in the next couple of weeks that I know some of our field is going to take the opportunity to attend. So Jason, once again, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time and and best of luck uh, out there as you're trying to make change happen. Thank you, Mark. Kudos to NFP. You
0: guys are leaders in this world, uh, and I look forward to partnering with you guys.